we've talked about how this could be the best summer ever. And that's not about a beach trip, and that's not about a cookout, and it's not about, you know, all the fun things we like to do. You know, I, somebody said today was the first day of summer. Is that right? Today's the first day of summer? Well, happy summer, happy Father's Day. I'm glad you're here. The best summer ever is not about all that stuff. The best summer ever is about when you and I learn to live in the fullness of God and the things that he has prepared for you yeah. and the things that he's preparing for you and the things he's prepared you to do. That's when we live, an, Jesus called it an abundant, rich, full life. How many know that's not about what you own or what you drive or where you live? It's about who lives in you. His name is Jesus, and that's what we're going to talk about today. First week, we talked about the faithfulness of God and how you could quicker cause the sun not to show up in the morning than you could to watch God break one of his promises because he's simply not going to do that. Last week, we talked about the name of God, and you ought to... You ought to go to, on our website and, and watch that message uh, and, and learn a little bit more about what God's name's all about. And today, I want to talk to you about how to be a godly man in a godless culture. And I really struggled with that title, to be honest with you, because here's the deal. I, I don't want to say, I, I believe we serve an omnipotent, ever-present God. And so when I say that we live in a godless culture, I'm not saying that God doesn't exist in the culture. I'm saying we live in a culture that is trying to move away from the standards of a holy God. Is that true? So how do you and I, men, and oh, by the way, I'm going to talk to men a lot today, but uh, these principles are not gender specific. You you with me? All right. So uh, here's what I don't want to do today. And, And sometimes I'm guilty of doing this. I'm guilty when I... When I preach to men, or even when I'm counseling and men are in the room, I tend to beat men up a little bit because I'm so passionate about men taking their place in the kingdom of God and taking their place in the community, taking their place in their families. And sometimes I get mean, and I don't want to be mean today. Um, I don't want to make men feel like they don't measure up to some unreachable standard. That's not my goal today. Here's what I want to do. I want to celebrate men who are doing the best they can. I want to encourage men to continue. And I want, listen, I want to challenge men, old men, young men like me. (laughs) Why is that funny? I want to challenge men to be better. What if all of us got just a little closer to the Lord? What if us? What if all of us just loved our families a little more like Christ loved the church? What if we just moved one step closer to the image of God in our families, in our communities, in our places of business? So I don't want to beat you up, but I do want to challenge you today. And and oh, by the way, you guys know that when I challenge you, it's because I've already been through the fire with this stuff. I've been challenged, and so I want you to be challenged with me. You watch it online. You're here, and I'm so thankful that you're here on Father's Day, on a rainy Father's Day. So I, I, I affirm you. I'm going to take you to this passage of Scripture that's at the very end of the book of 1 Corinthians. And it's, Paul is going through this whole salutation, you know, this whole ending of his letter. And at the very end, he says these words. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Just powerful, powerful words. He says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Here we go. Act 
like men. Be strong. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Will you pray with me? Lord, over the next few moments, uh, God, would you just pierce our hearts with your word? Over the next few moments, will you just teach us how to be strong, how to be men of God? Will you teach us how to swim upstream in this culture that's so desperately trying to move away from godly principles and precepts? Teach us in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. So um, I can't let this day get by. Uh, without just, men, I, I just want to affirm you. I know that, that this culture uh, doesn't make living for God. It doesn't make being faithful to your wife. It doesn't make those things easy. But I do believe that, that we serve a God, and, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, he can equip us to live a life that he's called us to live. And he gave us four things. We're going to dive right into them. You ready? Here we go. First thing he said was be watchful. Be watchful. And that just simply means pay attention. Keep your eyes open. Pay attention. Pay attention to what, Dwayne? I'm going to tell you. I'm glad. First thing, I want you to pay attention to Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will line up. How many believe that to be true? It is true, by the way. Pay attention to Jesus. Listen, I I know you you got a job and you got a career and you got all sorts of responsibilities, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Put Jesus at the top of that list. In fact, don't, don't do that. Make Jesus the list. Make Jesus the center of everything else that you do. Make Jesus the center of your job. Make Jesus the center of your hobbies, of, of, of your family. If you make Jesus the center, I'm, I, I, don't, I used to make priority lists and task lists. And, and, well, I checked my devotion off today, so I'm, I got my God box checked. No, let's live every day. Every day with Jesus at the center. So pay attention to Jesus. Here we go. I'm going to tell you to do something that that a lot of us don't do. Pay attention to yourself. See, I know some of you men, and and you work hard, and you sacrifice for your families, and you sacrifice for uh, the church. You sacrifice for a lot of other people, and sometimes you're at the bottom of that list. Um, So I'm going to ask you to... Pay attention to yourself. Ask yourself a couple of questions. Ask yourself, am I growing? Am I closer to God today than I was this time last year? Am I closer to my family? Am I, am, am I a, a more passionate husband? Am I growing? Am I, am I becoming more like the man that God intended me to be? Or am I moving further away? See, if, if you recognize that you're not growing, man, that's step one. You're going to ask yourself, am I growing? Ask yourself this, are you healthy? Are you healthy in your mind? Are you healthy in your body? Are you healthy in your spirit? Do you have healthy habits? It's okay to turn the mirror on yourself every once in a while and just say, am I doing the things that are going to make me a healthy, healthy man? How about this? Ask yourself this question, are there blind spots? And let me tell you what I mean by blind spot. Are there those old habits, those old sins, they're trying to creep their way back into your life. And maybe they show up kind of subtly, don't they? They just kind of sneak in the back door. That's why we call them blind spots. Are you paying attention to those things? Maybe there's a, 
there's a, a part of your life that you'd conquered. And isn't it funny how the enemy will wait to those very weak, very tired, very drained, very emotionally uh, exhausting moments to just go, hey, you remember this? You, that, was, that, that wasn't so bad, was it? It was a lot of fun, wasn't it? You know, he won't remind you of the hell that it took to get out of it. But he will remind you, and he'll sneak those things in. So I'm just going to tell you to pay attention. Keep your eyes open. Be alert. <laughs> pay attention to Jesus. Pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to your family. Oh. Y'all, I'm, I'm not going to get on a soapbox here. Maybe a little one. Man, we, our culture's told us that men are disposable. And I'm going to tell you that you are not. I'm going to tell you that there's a generation that needs men. I'm going to tell you that, that we, have, we have abdicated our role as godly leaders to others. And I'm going to tell you that nobody will raise your children like you will. And listen, it's, I'm not going to be mean. It's not my job to raise your children. It's not my job to teach your children the Bible. Guess whose job it is? It's yours. Dad, pay attention. Maybe, maybe if we... <sighs> I'm trying, y'all. My heart is breaking. Maybe if we turn off ESPN long enough to put, you know, the baby in our lap. Maybe if we turn off ESPN long enough to go play ball in the backyard with our kids. Maybe we wouldn't be raising a generation that don't know what it looks like to be a man. Pay attention. Open your eyes. It's God has given you a responsibility to shepherd your family. You are the priest of that home. It is your job. Don't you dare wait for your wife to get you out of bed on Sunday morning to bring you to church. It's your job. You get up. Make some breakfast. Get your kids out of bed. Make them mad at you that you're waking them up so early. We're going to the house of God. I'm taking you, period. Follow me. Can I tell you the statistics are overwhelming. When dad is the spiritual leader of his home, the statistics are overwhelming that children will follow. It's your job. Are you thankful for Bridget and Kathy, Kathy, Bridget and Cindy and, and Lori teaching your children? Yeah, it's not their job. You know what their job is? To support what you're doing in your home. Pay attention. Pay attention. Maybe just turn off, turn off a video game. Turn off a TV. Turn off. Now listen, every. Put the golf clubs down for a minute. I'm not telling you not to have a hobby. You need one. That's part of paying attention to yourself, and that's okay, right? right. We're talking about raise your children. Well, I don't have kids yet. How about instituting habits and, and a lifestyle now that when the time comes for you to have a child, you've already learned, you already know how to lead your family. 
How about if you put Jesus first now? It'll be a lot easier to put Jesus first when you have kids. Or grandkids. Come on, somebody. (sighs) Pay attention. Be watchful. Pay attention. That's the first thing he said. Then he said, stand firm in the faith. (laughs) Stand firm. Here's what that means. Just choose Christ. Dad, you ought to be the most spiritually influential person in your child's life. Period. You. You. You ought to be the most spiritually influential person in your wife's life. You. You. They should look to you for direction. They should look to you for guidance. You are their shepherd. It's your job. So here's the deal. Whatever habit, whatever addiction, whatever personality trait, whatever dysfunction you don't want your children to have, get a handle on it now. Because they're watching you. And they know. (laughs) I have... I'm sorry. I have two incredible daughters-in-law. I, I really do. And I, I, I poke fun at them a lot. But I, Don and I were actually having a conversation away from them the other day where we were just bragging on, on how beautiful they are. And, and sometimes they will, they'll come into our home and they'll be so kind and sweet to me. And sometimes they are not. <laughs> in fact, they have walked in before and punched me. And I'm like, what was that for? Because he's just like you. <laughs> and, and, and here's what I tell them. If you're going to blame me for their bad stuff, I want credit for their good stuff. <laughs> it is amazing how, how your children will pick up on, on your habits. <laughs> we had this event one time at our church in Statesboro where we would we were auctioning off services, and, the, and the, the teenagers were volunteering time to, uh, you know, as people would bid. And so if you won the auction, then you could bring this teenager over to your house and make him cut your grass and clean your garage or whatever it is you wanted them to do. Well, this, this one gentleman won a bid, and, and I sent one of these teenagers over to his house, and he called me and said, I think I'm going to need my money back. And I said, what's, what's happening? And he said, well, uh, I put a rake in his hand, and I told him to just rake the leaves in the backyard into a pile. And he looked at the rake, and he looked at me, and he looked at the rake, and he looked back at me. He had no idea how to pull a rake. I'm going to need my money back. And I said, okay, pastor, we will. We'll. It's a true story. He didn't ask for his money back. Can I tell you something, though? That same young man today, it's going to be mean and brutal, but I just got to, I got to tell you how it works. That same young man today, not a young man anymore. He's a middle-aged man now. He still doesn't know how to pull a rake. You know what he knows how to do? He knows how to not go to work. He knows how to manipulate the system so he doesn't have to go, out or go to work. 
Guess where you learn how to do that? At home. From his father. You are more influential than you realize. You're more influential than you know. It's your job. Oh my goodness, y'all, this generation needs godly male influence. Oh, I'm so thankful, man. I, I, don't want, I, I can't talk about my dad or I'll cry, but I'm so thankful. Listen, my, my dad was a very simple man, but there's things he taught me how to do. He taught me how to be faithful. He taught me how to, when you say yes, mean yes. He taught me how to be a man of my word. And, and there's just not enough of that in our generation. So that's what he said. He said, be watchful, stand firm. And then, and here's where we're going to spend some time. Act like men. Now, that could be a completely misunderstood term. Am I right? So if, if you're a woman that's been emotionally, physically abused by a man, when I say act like men, that sounds like fear right? If you're a child, your father was absent. When I say act like men, it sounds like abandonment. To a generation that's bought this cultural lie that traditional godly male roles are antiquated and misogynistic, it sounds like oppression. Those are myths, by the way. You do know that. To some, act like a man looks like Carhartt and guns. To some, it looks like a business suit and a briefcase. I just carry my gun in my briefcase. <laughs> There's a vacuum in our culture. There's a vacuum in our culture. It's a void where men have surrendered God-given leadership roles in the family, in the church, and in the community. We look a lot more like Peter Griffith than we do Ward Cleaver. Our culture does anyway. That phrase, act like men, appears one time in the New Testament. One time. And it, it really has two meanings. So here's what Paul was challenging us to. First of all, he said, make a man. Make a courageous, brave man. The second meaning is show yourself to be a courageous, brave man. Make one, be one. Make one, be one. Somebody's watching you. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to teach a generation what it looks like to be a man. Now listen, I don't want to make that sound like I'm... Now listen, there, our culture takes male roles out of Scripture and abuses them. They'll latch on to words like submission and make godly, traditional Christian male roles look like they're overbearing and, and mean. They don't, they don't use words like love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Can I tell you that, that godly, biblical male leadership is a beautiful, 
submissive, surrendered lifestyle. And our world, our church, our community, certainly our country needs a lot more of it. So what, what the Apostle Paul was telling these men in Corinth was that being a man is going to take some courage. So we're going to talk about a couple things. Let's talk about courageous faithfulness. I read a study not too long ago that said somewhere between 50 and 60% of married men engage in extramarital sexual activity at some time or another during their relationship. Over half. Writer of Proverbs said, Many a man, this is verse, chapter 20, verse 6, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Can I tell you, faithful men are hard to find these days. And, and listen, I can't do anything about our culture, but you know what we can do something about? We can do something about us. I can do something about, I can't, I'm, I can't do anything about your home, but I can do something about mine. Faithful men. We live in a world that diminishes the importance of faithfulness and commitment. Look around. Isn't it odd that they sell cheeseburgers with bikini models? That's broken, isn't it? Television screens, printed media, billboards, the Internet. There's an attempt to draw attention away from our wives, away from God. Would you, is that true, by the way? Is that true, by the way? That doesn't relinquish yours and my responsibility to turn our eyes from foolish things. Job made a covenant with his eyes not to look at a young woman with lust in his heart. How did You know what Jesus Jesus didn't say, oh, listen, if those images are on TV, um, you, you should write a letter to make sure that they, they don't show that anymore. He didn't, he didn't fuss at the bikini model. He said, gouge your eyes out. See, I said it wasn't going to be mean. I'm already pointing my finger. See, it's. You, you can't do anything about the culture. You can do something about your response to the culture. <laughs> if you're going to be faithful to your wife, you're like, man, I'm sure I'm glad I'm not married, so I don't have to worry about this. Yes, you do. How about you be faithful to your wife even before you know her name? That's how that's supposed to work, by the way. If you're going to be faithful to your wife and to Christ in this culture, you're in the minority. If you're going to say no to the lure of a faithless generation and yes to the commitments you've made, guess what you're going to have to do? You've got to be courageous. Where are the faithful men? Let's be courageously faithful. Let's talk about courageous integrity. Do we even know, does our culture even know what, what integrity looks like? We're, we're told that integrity means that you have a strict moral code. Strict. In other words, there's a line you won't cross. It's 
talks about being undivided, consistent. Now listen, sometimes I, I know I get up and I start talking like this and, and I can almost read your minds. You're like, he, he's wanting us to be perfect and I'm not perfect. I, listen, that's, that's not what I'm trying to tell you. Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm imploring all of us to be is consistent. And here's the truth of the matter, guys. We'll, we'll never get there on your own. Listen, I, I know what kind of man I am without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I know what kind of man I am or would be without Jesus. And it's not pretty. And it's not faithful. And it's not a man of integrity. The only way, the only way there's any integrity and faithfulness in this man at all is because as a teenager, Jesus invaded my life. And if you let him, if if you're struggling today, can I tell you there's a God that loves you more than you can ever imagine. And he sent his only begotten son into this world to pay your sin debt. And today he is standing at the ready to take all the crap, excuse me, in your life and wash it away. All the sin, all the gross junk that's been weighing you down for so long. And here's what he'll do. He'll make you a, he won't fix you. He won't paint you. He won't update you. He'll kill you and then make you a brand new man. Mm. Thank you, Lord. We first, we first planted our church, or no, when we first moved in this building, um, I found this, this ad on Facebook for chairs, and there were these cool little folding black chairs. Some of y'all already chuckling. You unfold and had nice little pads on them. The the problem is. Whenever anybody over about 94 pounds sat in them, they snapped. I broke one. Matthew Robertson broke one. My wife broke one. No, she didn't. I just. (laughs) And and they're all gone now. Do you know why? Because we broke them all. They They didn't have any integrity. In other words, as soon as as a little bit of pressure was applied to the base of that seat, it folded. I want to be a man that can stand under pressure. And, and yes, the pressure is it, it's a lot at times. But aren't you thankful that, 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 that the New Testament teaches things like like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, there's not a temptation given you that's not common to every other guy on the planet. But with that temptation, guess what I'm going to do for you because I love you. I'm going to give you a way of escape. That's right. ah, courageous integrity. Let's talk about courageous character. There's a word we don't hear a lot of anymore. Courageous character. Character. Philippians 1 verses 10 to 12 says it this way for I want you to understand what really matters at the very beginning of the letter here's what's really important before I go any further here's what's really important this is what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return may you always now listen this is powerful if you'll catch it 
may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. Well, in other words, what's the result of knowing Jesus? Here he sa- and he answers his own question. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. This will bring much glory and praise to God. L- listen, if you, if you want to be this kind of man, you're not going to get there by yourself. It, it's a fruit of your salvation. And oh, by the way, when, when we claim Jesus, when Jesus comes in and, and makes a difference, um, he ought to make a difference. Now, that, that sounds a little old-fashioned, but I believe that when Jesus comes in, he takes the old and makes it new. And, and now, now, now let, me, let me help you here. Sometimes I'm thankful because I'm still in process. Any, any, any still works in progress in the room? That's why, we, that's exactly why we say it like this. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to... He's molding us and shaping us and forming us and creating in us who he's destined us to be before the foundation of the world. Mm. It's been said that Reputation is what people think you are. And character is who you are when nobody else is around. So maybe the question that we ask ourselves is, who are we when nobody else is around? It's real easy to come into this room. Oh, by the way, I've done it. And paint a smile on. How are you? Blessed and highly favored. Right? But that not be who you are when nobody else is around. And I'm telling you that Jesus can make that kind of difference to where that you're the same man regardless of who's around. Don't you like to be around people that way? I, I, I get offended sometimes, and, and some of y'all have done this, and I, I, so I'm going to tell you how you've offended me. Um, when people say, I, I shouldn't have said that. My preacher's around. Why? Why? Or, I got this joke I want to tell you, but I'm not sure I should tell you, preacher. Well, first of all, you got to tell me now. <laughs> hey, listen, you know what we ought to have? And I'm, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking to, our, to our church now. And if, and if you're here and you're not part of our church, well, you are now. We, 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 don't, we don't do visitors here. We do first-time guests. And now, now you're one of us. I don't care if I ever see you again. You're one of us. I do care if I never see you again. <laughs> and, it, and it come out quite right. But you understand the spirit of my words, not the... We ought to be able to lock our arms. And when we're, when we're sick, call somebody. I'm sick. And I'm not just talking about you got the flu, Right? Of course, nobody has the flu anymore. (laughs) All right. In other words, let's be who we are. And let's help each other be more like Jesus. All right? And and now we're going to talk about courageous mission. (laughs) Our culture, as we've said, certainly hasn't placed a priority on character and integrity, right? 
So if you're going to be the kind of man that God wants you to be, you might have to go to some uncharted territory. You might feel all alone, and the path may not be easy. But you've got to understand that there's a generation following you. And, and you're know, like, well, Dwayne, I'm just 14. There's a generation following you that will follow the trail that you are leaving. And this is true whether you're 14 or 94. See, I'm not just talking to dads now. I'm asking you men, what path are you leading them down? Every man in here has an influence on the generation that's following us. I don't quote Ralph Waldo Emerson often. I've quoted him twice, and they've both been in sermons, and it's been the same quote. Because I love this. Ralph Waldo Emerson, a, a poet from 100 years ago, more than 100 years ago, said, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Now think about that. What our job as men, it, we might have to go down some uncharted areas. See, courageous leadership and courageous mission and courageous integrity and, and faithfulness and character there's not a lot of people walking that path. And you might, have to, you might be all by yourself on your job. You might be the only one trying to live that life on your job. Guess what? Live it anyway. Because somebody's watching you and somebody needs to, you need to lay the path for somebody else. Yeah. Man, I read a book a few years ago. And, and guys, if you're readers, I would, I, I'd, I'd love every man in the room to, to read this book. It's called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. And it's powerful. And I'm going to give you a quote from that book. He said, and it's so true, a man must have a battle to fight. Isn't that true? Listen, did you see how competitive Trent and Mikey got over stupid jokes? And they were stupid. (laughs) Did you see how competitive they got? Because a man wants a battle. A man wants a battle. Matthew Robertson said, should I take my Georgia Tech hoodie off because I know you're a Bulldogs fan? And I said, absolutely. No, I didn't say that. I did not say that. He said, a man must have a battle to fight, a great mission to his life that involves and yet transcends even home and family. He must have a cause to which he is devoted even unto death. For this is written into the fabric of his being. This is why God created you. Listen, oh, this is powerful. To be his intimate ally, to join him in the great battle. Listen. If I'm going to be in a battle, I want to be on God's battle. So is that your mission, to join God in the great battle? The battle for the souls of men? The battle for the souls of your family? Are you ready and willing and able to stand like no other men are standing in our culture? I hope so. Are you ready to put your life on the line? See, that's, that's what it looks like to act like men. The last thing he said was, he said, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. So as we, as we finish this morning, I want to talk to you for just a moment about courageous strength. Because here's, here's what you might have said in your mind today, Dwayne, You've given us a pretty tall order. 
Talking about integrity and faithfulness and character. Mission. And it is a pretty tall order. It's a courageous order. Dwayne, I'm just not sure I'm equipped. I'm just not sure I can do those things that you're asking me to do today. And I'm just going to tell you, you're 100% correct. You can't do it. Not on your own. God's ever tasked you to do something that was bigger than you? If you're married, then, you, then yes, he, he has. If you've got a child, then yes, he has. You ever shared your faith? Yes. He's asked you to do something that's bigger than you. But here's the beautiful part about the God that we serve, our good, good Father. So he'll never call you to do something and then leave you to your own devices that, to do it alone. Joshua was given a big task. His mentor, his influence was out of the picture. And he was given the task to finish his job. Moses is dead and he's gone. And God said, Joshua, you, you're going to lead these people. Now, I just like to read between the lines. We know Joshua was a man of valor and courage, but can you imagine? Now, depending on what scholar you listen to, there, was, there, was, there could have been three million people behind him. And, and he said, Joshua, you're going to lead them. You're going you're to fulfill the plan. It's you. Well, how would you have felt in that moment? Overwhelmed? Knees knocking, scared to death. Listen to these words. I only gave you Joshua 1 9, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit more. And here's men what I want you to do. I I want you to because I, I do believe in the prophetic power of God's word. That just because these words were four thousand years old or older doesn't mean that they won't penetrate your soul this morning. And I want you to listen as if God were speaking these words to you. God said to Joshua, and he's saying to you and me, men, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Now, what, what is that to us? God's word, right? Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful and do everything written in it. Then, do you see the then? When you hold God's word close to your heart, you meditate on him. You bury it in your soul. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Now, now hear this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Here's why. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's good news. Will you bow your heads with me?
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the promise to be with us wherever we go. Thank you that you haven't given men some task that's unreachable. Uh, but, God, you've, you've given us a, a standard to live by. And you've given us your precious, powerful Holy Spirit that dwells within us to lead and guide and direct us and help us to live a life that's full and rich and abundant and influential to our family and to our community. Lord, we love you. I think this is going to be probably the most simple appeal for prayer that I've ever made. And it's going to be to men. I'm just going to ask you one simple question. If you'd like me to pray for you this morning to be a better man, now that we have a little idea, a better idea of what being a man looks like, if you'd like me to pray for you today to be a better man, I just want you to slip your hand in there. this way and, and y'all know me and y'all know I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world I'm not going to start today but I, I just like to as a I just think it'd be in order if, if every man in the room and it, that means if you're if you're old enough to be over here not in kids church we're gonna, we're, you're a man today I want you to stand to your feet, and we're just going to pray together. Would that be all right? Every man in the room. Listen, I know, I know what our culture says about men, but I believe standing in front of me, and I believe watching online are some men that love God and that are trying to live and trying to do the best they can. And I just, I just want the power of God. I want the Holy Spirit of the Lord to undergird you and give you strength to live for God, to raise your families in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to be faithful men, men of integrity, men of character. It'd be all right, those of you that are seated, ladies, if you just want to maybe hold a hand toward a man in this room that you care about and pray for, pray for an individual in this last moment or two of our service. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you for men. I thank you for men. And God, yes, the culture has, has denigrated, discouraged men. But God, today we celebrate the truth that because of Christ, all the old has passed away. Everything's made new. We can live a life that's full and rich in abundance and, and influential, not because we're good, but because our Jesus is very good and He lives inside of us. Now listen, man, if you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus, listen very carefully. Jesus Christ came to this earth as God in the flesh, born of a virgin. He lived 33 years sinless the last three years of his life. Everywhere he went, he served somebody, healed somebody, prayed for somebody, fed somebody. And then when he's 33 years old, he gave his life to pay your sin debt and mine. 
three days later, he rose from the dead and is right now, as we're speaking, listen to this, praying for you. To his father. So if you don't know it, here's what I would challenge you to do today. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Confess that you believe that he's the son of God. Commit your life in full surrender to serving Him and your life will never be the same. Father, thank You for men who are finding Jesus this morning. Men who are recommitting their lives to follow Christ right now. And men who are committing their lives to to courageous integrity and faithfulness. Not because they're good, but because Jesus lives in them that we give you honor and praise and glory in Jesus, the name that's above every name. Amen. 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 You ought to give the Lord an ovation of praise for His goodness. Come on, everybody stand across the room. Let's just end our service with this chorus. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am.